Open your Bibles with me to Psalm 103. We continue looking at Psalm 103 um, this morning, and uh, I will do a few verses. And then next week, in my absence, uh, Pastor Trevor will finish up um, the last couple of verses of Psalm 103. So hopefully you'll be here for that and you look forward to that. Psalm 103, we've been looking at it for a few weeks. I just want to read from verse 13 through 17 this morning rather than start from the beginning. And it says this, Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him, for he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. As for man, his days are like grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourishes. When the wind has passed over it, it is no more, and its place acknowledges it no longer. But the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who hear him, and his righteousness to children's children. In verse 13, we, we read about his great compassion. We looked at that a little bit last week. And it talks about the fact that the Lord has great compassion on those who fear him. We talked about at the end of last week that, that these promises that we read about in Psalm 103 are really for the believers that you need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you need to be saved in order for these to be a part of your life. And and the Lord's overwhelming compassion is one of those things. Now, He displays His compassion on all of humanity because that's the kind of God He is. But upon those that belong to Him, His children, it is a unique compassion. It is a unique loving kindness. It is a unique care. There is no greater compassion than the compassion that God the Father um, shows us there's no greater compassion than the Father displays on our behalf. There's no greater compassion than what He bestows upon us as those who belong to Him and know Him and love Him and walk with Him. The idea of verse 13 is that the Lord knows. He understands his children. He understands those who fear Him. And He understands what we need in life. He understands those things that are a part of our life. He understands who we are. He knows our strengths and He knows our weaknesses. He knows our positive and our negative traits. He knows us. He knows our struggles. He knows our successes. He knows our failures. He knows all about us. And because He knows us, His compassion is a part of our life. Because compassion is, is given to somebody when you understand what it is that is going on in their life, and especially if you can alleviate some of that compassion or some of that suffering, your compassion is upon them. And so the Lord gives us great compassion. He cares for us. Now I want you to jump down to verse 17 that we just want to barely touch on 17 this week. It says, a loving kindness or the compassion of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. That is a really, really good phrase. God's love, God's compassion, God's loving kindness, God's care transcends everything that we understand on this earth. It is from everlasting to everlasting. Sometimes one of the problems that we have as believers on this earth is that we see only this itty-bitty little thing. We are so single-focused on occasion that we don't get the big picture. And part of the big picture is from everlasting to everlasting. From the very beginning to the very end, which 
really doesn't even exist. Beginning and end are even a bad phrase. Because there is no beginning and there is no end. It is from everlasting to everlasting. As, as far as anything has ever been, that is God's compassion upon us. And really, the topic this morning is that God's compassion transcends life. It goes beyond what we can see. It goes beyond what we can understand, what we can experience. It is from everlasting to everlasting. That is a really good thing, as we'll see as we look at these verses this morning. Now, I am not a medical professional. You all know that. Obviously. But I feel incredibly confident in giving you all, every single one of you in this room, just a little bit of medical advice that normally is reserved for doctors and people in that medical profession. But I feel confident that I can do it today and you'll understand. Here it is. Are you ready? Your days are numbered. Death is on its way. It is a certainty. And I would suggest that you go home and you get your house in order. Because your days are numbered. In the book of Hebrews, in chapter 9, we read this, and in so much as it is appointed for men to die once, and after this comes the judgment, the Bible says. The Bible says that we're all going to die. There have been a couple of rare exceptions to that in the Bible. And there will be an exception with a generation that is alive at his return who are caught up in the clouds to be with him forever. Other than that, everybody dies. It's a certainty. We know it's true. We have seen it. We've experienced it. Death is indeed a part of life. The Bible says that you're going to die. Now, we're going to understand and see that clearly in a little while here. That's not the worst thing in the world, is it? For a believer, there's a lot of things that are a whole lot worse than death. But we are going to die. Psalm 103 in the passages, verses that we're looking at here says that life is short. So I suggest you get ready. Because you never know when it is that you are going to be the one who dies. So let's look at these verses and see what it says. Verse 14. For he himself, he has compassion upon us, remember from verse 13, he knows us. For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. Now, what this verse is saying, other than the clear teaching, and the clear teaching is this, God knows us. God knows us because he made us. God understands that we are indeed made from dust. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 2 that we are from dust. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 3 that we will return to the ground again because from the ground you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. That's how it works. The Bible understands this. God understands this. He put it. This is an honest assessment of who we are, of the situation in life, and He knows that we are dust. We know that we are fragile. He knows that we are not the strongest things in the world because He knows us. And He gives us compassion because of it. He knows who we are. Now, He understands that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. 
But he also understands that you are weak and feeble. And we all can testify to that, can't we? We can all testify to the to the fact that there are times that we would say, maybe some of you are here today, and you'd say, yeah, trust me, we're weak, we're feeble. We're not all that strong. There's issues with these old bodies. But we'd all say, and some more than others today, but we are fearfully and wonderfully made. It's remarkable how all of it is woven together and created and made and it all makes sense and it's logical and the medical profession has been able to figure out a lot of it by God's wisdom and grace and they can do this and that and the other thing and and put false parts in here and there and do these remarkable surgeries. Yeah, we are fearfully and wonderfully made, but we're pretty weak and fragile also. He knows our frame and he is mindful that we are dust. He goes on to say in verses 15 and 16, As for man, his days are like grass, as the flower of the field, so he flourishes. When the wind passes over, it is no more, and its place acknowledges it no longer. In a word, our lives are fleeting. I mean, the Bible is saying, here today and gone tomorrow, is what the Bible is saying. These are clear verses, and they are incredibly straightforward. He uses two examples that we understand quite well. He says, we're a lot like grass. It it grows up, then it's gone. It gets cut, it disappears. Seasons come, it changes. We're we're a lot like uh, the flower of the field, flourishing everywhere. There it is. It's a remarkably beautiful thing. But like the grass and like the flower in verse 16, when that strong wind passes over it, gone. When an incident happens, it's history. It's over. Grass grows, it's cut, it's gone. Flowers flourish, they die, they're gone. They bloom, they're beautiful, and then it's over. The wind blows, a hot wind from the east in the land of Israel could absolutely destroy things instantly. And so David knew exactly what he was talking about here. That hot wind comes, and that beautiful thing is now gone. And that's exactly what the psalmist wants us to understand about us. He wants us to understand that we're like the grass, and we're like the flower. We're here. We're beautiful. It's an amazing thing. He understands our frame. He understands that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. But he also is mindful that we're but dust. And we're weak and fragile and we have issues. And he understands that when that wind comes and passes over and we are no more, then somebody else rises up and takes a picture of, or takes the place of us. That's the picture he wants us to understand. He wants us to get this thing. It is a remarkable thing that God who has said in many other places, you are my most remarkable accomplishment. You are the crown and the glory of creation. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And then he says, but I want you to know that your days are like grass and like the flower of the field, you flourish, and then the wind passes over it. It's no more, and in its place acknowledges it no longer. I, I want you to understand this is who you are. The end of verse 16 is an interesting verse, isn't it? It says, and its place acknowledges it no longer. Man lives, man dies, and he's gone. As far as the world is concerned, it doesn't take long for it to be as if that man, that woman, that person was never there. Our memories fade and the 
effects of that person's life on this earth can quickly seem as if it was absolutely nothing. It was as if they were never there. Life moves along, and soon our memories move along, and our thoughts and our feelings move along. And It's an interesting couple of verses in the middle of this psalm, isn't it? For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. As for man, his days are like grass, as the flower of the field so he flourishes. When the wind has passed over it, it is no more, and its place acknowledges it no longer. This is who we are in the flesh. That's what the Bible says, and we understand that. And this picture is presented throughout Scripture. Let's look at a couple of verses. Psalm 39. Psalm 39. Psalm 39, verses 5 and 6. It says this, Behold, you have made my days as handbreadths, and my lifetime is nothing in your sight. Surely every man at his best is a mere breath. Selah. Think on those things. Surely every man walks about as a phantom. Surely they make an uproar for nothing. He amasses riches and does not know who will gather them. Go to Job chapter 7, right there before Psalms. Job chapter 7. And and Job is talking about the futility of life in this section of Scripture in here. And he says in verse 7, Remember, my, my life is but breath. My eye will not see good again. I, I've seen better days and... Life is changing quickly, and I'm not sure what's going to happen next. We read this same idea in the New Testament in the book of James 4.14. It says, Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Life is uncertain. Life can be incredibly short. Life can be full of difficulties and troubles. And if that were the end of the story, what a discouraging, sad, worthless life we would live. Isn't that the truth? If that's all we knew, if that's all we could say about life, then, boy, that would be a horrible thing, wouldn't it? If if all we could say is that we're dust and we're like grass and flowers and when the wind comes it passes over and we are no more, man, life would be worthless and empty But the fact of the matter is, folks, there is much, much more than that. In the middle of this psalm, the psalmist is going through, and I want to read at verse 1 now and go forward and help us understand a little. He says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits, who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. He made him known, he made known his ways to Moses, the acts, his acts to the sons of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. 
He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. As for man, his days are like grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourishes. When the wind is passed over it, it, it is no more, and its place acknowledges no longer. But the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. You know, one of the things, what, what the psalmist wants us to understand here is look at what God has done for us. Look at how amazing God is. Look at the gifts that He has bestowed upon us. Don't forget what He has done. Do not forget all of His benefits. And understand that He has done this for you, not because you will live forever in this place, in these bodies, on this earth, but because you will live forever with Him in glory. He wants us to understand that I understand that this part of your life is a fleeting, short part of your life. I want you to get the fact that your life is just beginning. It is eternal. What exactly is our life? How far is it? How can we describe it? How can we talk about eternity? No matter what illustration we come up with, it is incredibly limited, isn't it? But what we understand is this. For whatever eternity is, the life that we live here is that. It's just a little. And I think the psalmist wanted us to understand that the Lord is blessing you and giving you all these benefits and showing you compassion and has forgiven your sins and has removed those sins and has uh, loved you in a remarkable way because you belong to Him forever. It is incredibly easy, is it not, to think about the blessings of God and to think about physical, temporal blessings. Now, that's a good thing. Do not misunderstand me. I hope that you took some time to think about them. I hope that you thought about them. I hope that uh, last week when we wrote some things down, you you remembered a lot of those physical blessings that you had. But physical blessings are incredibly short-term, are they not? The Lord wants us to understand that His benefits are eternal as well. And you are eternal as well. I want you to turn with me to a remarkable verse in the Gospel of John, chapter number 17. John, chapter 17. Verse number 3. Jesus is speaking. And he says this, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. How do you describe eternal life? According to Jesus Christ, you describe eternal life this way. It is knowing the only true God. That's eternal life. Eternal life is not a place. It's a position. It is knowing God. 
It is what has happened in your life as a believer. You now know God. You are a part of eternal life. Now, as we understand and talk about eternal life, we know that, that everybody lives forever. It's just whether you live apart from God or with God. But when we're talking about eternal life, we're talking about life, life, that which is worthwhile and wonderful. And eternal life is knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's eternal life, the Bible says. And as a believer, you are in the midst of eternal life right now, right now. And we need to think that way. We need to think beyond this world and understand that I am in the midst of eternal life right now. And the way that eternal life works is that there is a time period when that life takes place on this earth, in these physical bodies, in this sinful place, on this thing called earth, in the place where I live, and God wants me to be his representative in a foreign land right now for a while. He has given me all sorts of benefits. He has blessed me immensely, but I do have some problems because, well, I'm a human being and I have some, some, some feeble parts about me and I'm weak and limited and I, I, I get weaker as life goes on and diseases affect me and accidents affect me and emotions affect me and I have all sorts of things going on here. I'm a pretty weak thing, but God has said, I want you to be here for a while. And then God says, I'm going to take you away from there and I'm going to take you away from there through this word that you use a lot called death. And you're going to die, and your physical body will no longer live, but your spiritual being, your soul, who you are, will continue to live on. And for a while, then, your next phase of eternal life is going to be with the Lord somehow, and you're going to be separated from your body, and yet people are going to know who you are, and it's going to be this really amazing thing. And then after a while, I'm going to come back, and I'm going to rescue all those bodies, and I'm going to take the Christians who are living up in the air, and we're going to reunite your body and who you are together as a soul and we're going to go through some judgment time and we're going to do a lot of different things and then you're going to enter into the next phase of eternity which is which is with me in the new heaven and the new earth forever now i probably missed a few steps in there but you get the picture eternity has a lot of different phases to it and the psalmist wants you to understand that the phase you're in right now you're weak. And, and you have some issues. And yet God has said, you're my crown. You're my crown. Let's go to the New Testament. And let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we read these words beginning in verse number 5. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus is Lord, and ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who also shone in our hearts to give the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. What treasure do we have? The Holy Spirit. You are weak, and you are fragile. You have some sin issues. You, the flesh, it's a problem because you're, you're, you're coming all the way down from Adam, and that sin issue is still there. And yet the Lord said, I'm going to take this weak vessel, this body that is just basically dust, 
and I'm going to do something with it. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm going to let light shine out of darkness, and I'm going to let the Holy Spirit shine in your hearts to give you the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. And you have this treasure in earthen vessels, so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. God says, I do understand who you are. I do understand your weaknesses. I do understand your struggles. And I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit while you're in eternity on this thing called earth. And I'm going to let the Holy Spirit shine in you to such a degree that people are going to look at you and say, what in the world has happened to that person? And what has happened to that person is the God of the universe has taken up residence and he is shining his light through me for the glory of God in my fragile, weak old body. That's what's going on. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, or some of your Bibles will say clay pots. God chose humanity with all of its frail frailty, with all of its weaknesses, with all of its issues, and He said, that's who we're going to put the Holy Spirit in. Humanity. And people are going to look the Holy Spirit in the in the lives of people, and they're going to see not that person, but they're going to see the surpassing greatness of the power from God. Listen, you need to take this verse, you need to circle this verse, you need to know this verse, and you need to understand that as your old body de- betrays you, as your body defies what you want to do, as you struggle on this earth to to have the things happen that you want to have happen, you need to understand that, oh, oh, I get it. I'm a clay pot. I'm an earthen vessel. And the reason why these things are happening is so that people will see the greatness of the power of God instead of me. That's what it is. The psalmist says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of His benefits. One of those benefits is the Holy Spirit lives inside of you so that you can shine for Him in this world and make a difference. Why did God choose clay pots? So that He could shine. So that He could shine. I want to make a statement that I know is hard for all of us to accept and all of us to practice. Stop fighting the fact you're a clay pot. We want to change it, don't we? I want to be a golden vessel. I want to be whatever these remarkable new metals are they're coming up with. I want to be that. Gold's old now. I want to be the new fancy, I don't even know what it is, but these, these fancy remarkable things that are out there. I want to be that. You're not that. You're a clay pot. And when you're dropped, you break. And you crack. And, and, and you're a mess. And, and people want to, you're just, you're, it's a problem. But that's all right, because God said, the one that loves you from everlasting to everlasting knows you're a clay pot. And I'm going to put the Holy Spirit inside of you. So the people are going to look at that clay pot and they're going to say, wow, that's quite a pot. I thought clay pots, you know, had these, these issues. I thought clay pots couldn't. What? Look at that pot. Man. Look at that. 
We have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. I understand, because I'm in that neighborhood these days, I understand that you don't like the fact that life doesn't work the way it used to work. I'm getting there. I'm seeing it. But that's okay. Because you still have the Holy Spirit. And He's still powerful and strong. And God will use that Holy Spirit in ways that you can't even imagine if you'll just quit fighting the fact that you're a clay pot. From everlasting to everlasting. Christian, you are a spiritual person. And he said, I'm going to have you hang out here for a while in this old body that has its issues. You're a spiritual person. There'll be a day when we're going to separate you from that body and you'll, you'll feel better. But for right now, I want this clay pot to be the one you hang out in. And I'm going to put the Holy Spirit in there so that he can shine in the midst of this world. I, I want you to notice what it says in verse 8. He says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not despairing. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our body. In other words, clay pots. It's broken. It's fragile. It's weak. It's not what I want it to be. But Jesus lives inside of it, and so it's pretty spectacular for the glory of God. That's good stuff. You're in the midst of eternal life right now. Right now. And the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, and He wants to use you in some overwhelmingly amazing ways. Let's look at some verses. John chapter 3. We want to be reminded that we have amazing, 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 amazing power in us. The surpassing, surpassing glory of God, the the surpassing greatness and power of God is in us. John chapter 3, you know these verses, 15 and 16. So that whoever believes in Him will have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. You have that eternal life right now because you belong to Him. Go to John chapter 10, verse 28. John 10, 28. And I will give eternal life to them and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Is that a great verse? I'll give eternal life to them and no one will snatch them out of my hand. They belong to me. You have eternal life right now. And I know that you're a little burdened right now because you're carrying around that old clay pot. and Man, it has some issues. It's fragile. It's weak. It's a problem. But the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. It's still a treasure. And see, let me remind you of that. Give you an example of that this morning. Um, or give you an example of, of what happens with that. You know, maybe you have a mug or something and, 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 and another mug falls on top of that mug and it chips. Have you ever had that happen? I had that happen this morning. At any rate, and uh, it was a mug we brought back from Nepal. <laughs> and so anyway, and so sometimes you, what, what do you do with those chipped mugs? You throw them away. That's exactly what you do with them, General. You throw them away. 
And so because we look at a world that we and we throw, we tend to throw away. Just play my game with me. Stop that. You do, stop that. You throw things away. And because you throw things away, we tend to think that because I'm a clay pot and I'm chipped, I'm worthless. Because that's the world we live in generally. We need to stop our thinking that way. Hold on. You are a clay pot. You are chipped. But the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, and the surpassing greatness of God lives inside of you, and you are magnificent and amazing and still useful for His service. And don't you think otherwise. Okay? It's for God. Turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6. I did put the cup back on the shelf and turned it around so she wouldn't see it for a while. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. It says, Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and you, were made, and you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Fight the good fight of faith. Why? Because the surpassing power of God works, lives in you. And you made that confession in front of many witnesses that I believe in Jesus Christ and I belong to Him. Fight that good fight. Even though you have those issues that you think are making you worthless, they're not. Holy Spirit still lives inside of you. 1 John 5.11 First John 5.11 And the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life and this life is in His Son. This, his, this life is in His Son. So what do we do with all this? We do with all this what we've already covered. We understand that life is short. Life is fragile. Life is uncertain. We are but dust. We are weak. We do have issues. We are clay pots. But we have the greatest gift ever, the Holy Spirit living by us. That the surpassing greatness of God might be seen in us so that people would not see us, but they would see God. It is about God. It is for God. It is to the glory of God above all things. It's a short life. It really is. But who are you living for in this short life? Where's your focus in this short life? Let's go to two more verses real quick. Go to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, and it says at the end of this passage about becoming like Jesus, and, and then he says, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. He says in verses 10 and 11, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, and he he, he did all of this, it says, for this reason, God highly exalted him in verse 9 and bestowed upon him this great name so that everybody will worship him. Here's what I want you to understand, is that because you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, you will crack pot you. People will look at you and they'll worship God. 
Because the Holy Spirit is powerful and amazing. And that's a remarkable thing. And we are a part of this. The Bible says that whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Do all to the glory of God. From everlasting to everlasting, the Bible says. That's an amazing, remarkable thing. And the Bible says that we have this gift, this remarkable thing. It is the fact so that this treasure will not be us. We have this treasure in earthen vessels so that people won't see us. But the surpassing greatness and the power of God will be seen and not from ourselves. It'll be about Him from everlasting to everlasting. Yes, your life is short. But, yes, your life is long. The glory of God. Father, thanks for our time. Thanks for the Word of God and the richness of it. And thanks that you lay it out for us so that we can understand that indeed we, we are weak and fragile. We do have issues. But you have said, here's Holy Spirit. Here's power. Here's greatness. And you have said that this life of ours, this everlasting life in Jesus Christ, it, it, it goes for a long time. And for a while it's like this, and then it's like that, and then it's like that, and then it's different even after that. Father, help us to see the big picture. And help us to understand that that we are earthen vessels. And to understand that you have given us the Holy Spirit, and you want to work in us still and do remarkable things. May we yield to you for your glory and honor, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.